Easter, everybody. Is the sun out today? Yeah, it's great. It's good stuff. Hey, do you, do you realize I, I was, when we chose the song, when I chose the song, uh, I was like, it, it feels like years since it's been here. It feels that way for Easter, right? I know it was technically last year, but we haven't had Easter together in like two years. That's a long time. So we are very excited to be here with you guys. We're excited to be worshiping with you. Uh, we're going to take a couple seconds here and just kind of get ourselves ready for worship. So I invite you to do what you need to do to kind of settle into the moment, as we always do. So let's take a couple moments, kind of quiet our hearts, settle our minds, and prepare for worship. If you need to, close your eyes. You might want to put your palms up in a receiving manner, you know, to signal to our bodies that we are ready to receive something from God. We're ready to have his spirit speak to us and move in and through us. But let's take a couple seconds and prepare for worship. stand and worship with us as we worship this morning and we're singing these songs if you get tired feel free to feel free to sit um, do it do what you need to do to be uh, able to engage in worship God sent his son
is risen from the dead trampling over death by death come awake come awake come and rise up from the grave and christ is risen from the dead we are one with him again come awake come awake come and rise up from the grave
Christine. God, you are the one who is risen. You are the one who is alive. We praise you, God, because death no longer has sting. It no longer has victory over us. There's not a tomb in this world that can hold us. There's not darkness that is too dark for your light. So God, may your light shine in our hearts and our lives this morning. May your light be the life within us through your spirit. God, lead us, teach us, show us that you are the true resurrection in life. I thank you that you went to a cross, that you sat there and you kicked Satan in the teeth. You defeated death and you were raised to life. You are seated on the throne. And in your resurrection, we have confidence, we have hope, or there is victory. May that truth be real in our hearts and in our lives today. In the name of Jesus, the resurrection and the life. In his name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. And if there's any preschoolers who are ready to run off, go see Miss Sam over there. And as they're heading out... Here, here, I'll pull this back, create an alleyway. <laughs> Hi, guys. And while they're heading off, happy Easter. Yay. Is there a little energy? I don't know about you, but I am incredibly happy that this is not over virtual. <sighs> Last year, it was a camera. <laughs> And I think Zach was editing photos and videos and galore, and we're going, oh, this is really weird. What does this look like? Uh, and it is just so good to be able to celebrate together as the people of God, to enjoy God's goodness, to enjoy that he has risen. Um, in Christ, there is life. In this Easter morning, we are actually finishing a series where we've been talking about Jesus being God himself. Being the God with skin on who has come into our lives. And, and we've held off on one of his I am statements till today for a reason. It's where Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. We're going to dive in and look at what that is. So let's just go straight to the scriptures this morning. We're going to go to John. We've been in the book of John, the fourth gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John of the New Testament. In this uh, chapter... It starts, what we won't read is that Jesus' good friend Lazarus is sick. And his sisters, uh, Martha and Mary, who are, again, dear friends of Jesus, send word to him. Hey, Jesus, Lazarus is sick. Come, help us out. Do something for him. And there's this weird happening that goes on in this story because Jesus decides, and he says to his disciples, no, I'm not going to go yet. What? That doesn't, this doesn't add up to who God is, right? It doesn't add up to who we know. Jesus heals people left and right. He does miraculous things. Why wouldn't he do this for his friend? He goes, no, this, I, I do love them. We hear that in the beginning of John. I do love Martha, Mary. I do love Lazarus as much as I love you. But me waiting is going to be for their good. I don't know about you, but that can confuse me. And that's where we pick up the story, because now Lazarus hasn't just been sick. Lazarus has died. We start in verse 17 of John 11. Let's hear God's word this morning. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been dead in the tomb for four days. 
Jesus, where he was, was two days away. So he got word about a day after. Two days later, he decides to, he, he waits, and, and, and now four days, Lazarus has been dead. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. Jesus had been persecuted there. He had, been, had his life threatened. Many Jews had come from Jerusalem to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. Now when Martha had heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, right, if only, if only you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother, he'll rise again. Martha answered, listen, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Right? I know the theology. I understand the idea. But Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection in the life. Right? I'm not an idea. I am in person. I'm the resurrection in the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you're the Messiah, right? The promised one. You're the Messiah, the Son of God who has come into the world. And after, after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and he's asking for you. Now when Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village. You catch that little detail, right? They heard he was coming, so Martha ran out to meet him. Now Martha runs back into town, gets her sister. Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at a place, the place where Martha had met him. Verse 31, when the Jews had been, who had been with Mary in the house comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out. They followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, right, if only, if only you had been here, the brother wouldn't have died. Echoes the words of her sister Martha. Now when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Well, come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the, G the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he have opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? In a sense, the crowd says, if only. Right? These are God's words to us this morning. This is a story of death and what we'll see in a moment, life. But can you understand where Martha and Mary are at this morning? Maybe it's a little like this story called Exiles Valor. And you're like, what? It's a fantasy novel. It's a series of novels. And in it, in this particular story, we hear of a young queen. Young Queen Selene. She's become queen. Why? Because her father has died. And as queen, in the story, it, it comes to this moment where she's sick and tired of people telling her, well, time will heal all wounds. In fact, as she trusts, she talks to her trusted companion, Cario, she says, time doesn't. Time doesn't heal all wounds. All that time does is make it more distant. 
It puts more space between you and what happened. It doesn't heal anything. I don't know how or what does the healing, but it isn't time. And in the loss of her father, she says, Oh, Cario, I miss him so much. And her companion, in letting her cry upon her shoulder, says, So do I. And just a moment later, this young queen says, I keep thinking, if only I had gone after him. Her father had gone off into battle, and that's how he lost his life. If only I had gone after him. And then the wise words of her friend Cario, if only. Those must be the two saddest words in the world. If only. If only. I wonder what those words uncover for you this morning. For Martha, for Mary, if only you had been here, you could have healed our brother. Right? If only usually is anchored in an idea of what should have and could have been, right? If only. When I think about those words, my heart is instantly taken to a time 20 years ago. I could close my eyes this morning, remember the environment well. It was on the third story of my dorm room in our common area. When I remember my, my friend Jake coming to me, it was a Friday afternoon, late afternoon, saying, my, my girlfriend's done. She's done with me. Goes on to talk about more of what was going on in his life, and something inside of me was like, man, you got to stay here. He's like, no, I've got to go home. And I know, I'm going, Jake, just stay here, man. Hang out with us. He's like, yeah, but my friends who are at home know, they know me a little bit better. And it's like, yeah, I concede, you win. (laughs) Right? And he leaves. Saturday morning, I wake up to a call. His roommate walking in. Jake's dead. That night, Jake had taken his life. All that night, I wish I could have done something different to keep him from going. 20 years later, I said, I know Jesus. I know Easter is real. I know there's a resurrection. But even as I've gone through this week, sitting with this text, sitting with this question, wondering about the if only, the if only still sits in my heart, still casts a shadow of death in my life, if only. I understand what Martha and Mary are saying to Jesus. I'm confused like Martha. Jesus, couldn't you have done something different? You could have stopped this. I mean, couldn't I have done something more, right? One of my favorite authors and and, and theologians, N.T. Wright, says this is the reason why movies like Back to the Future are made. Right, amen? Because if I could just step back and do something different, my, my, my desired world would be what it should be. And yet we all know that's not the way life works. We're left wondering, if only. And the if onlys don't put us in tombs. 
of, of simply death, the loss of friends, right? The loss of family, the loss of loved ones. The if-onlys are in those moments where we have lost time, where years have passed and we wonder where they went. They if only show up in our lives when, when we realize, man, I keep making the same stupid mistake over and over again if I would only just do X, Y, or Z. The if onlys exist in our lives when we realize, man, if I had only spent more time with my kids, if I had only fill in the blank. I wonder this morning, what's the if only in your life? Where might you be experiencing the effects of death? Martha, Mary, your brother's dead. They wish it hadn't been. They don't understand. Martha's confused in her head. She's like, Jesus, why? What are you doing? I can't make sense of it. Mary's just brokenhearted. Sometimes some of us work through our heads. Sometimes some of us work through our hearts. Amen? Right? We're all a little different. And thank God in the scriptures we see both. We get Martha and Mary. Right? And we see that they struggle and they wrestle just like we do. When death casts its shadow. But this story, much like Easter morning, where Mary Magdalene goes to the tomb, she's asking, I'm wondering if she was also saying, if only, if only Jesus had not shown up around Jerusalem, right? If only he hadn't, if only the disciples in the same place, he's been dead. Why did our Lord die? If only. But see, the thing is, we know in this story, we know in that story, the day of Easter, that God wasn't done. That we're not left in our with-onlys. Let's hear what Jesus does. He first shows up to Martha, and he asks her, right? Did you believe in a resurrection? Right? The idea, don't you understand what we hold to and what you believe, right? There's truth. She's confused. She's wondering what to think. And Jesus knows this, and he shows up and he says what to her? He says, I am the resurrection and the life. I am. Not an idea, right? Not, not a manual. How many of you go to the doctor only to have the doctor say, why don't you check that out on WebMD? Right, anybody? That, that would that would, that'd sound pretty stupid, wouldn't it? <laughs> Hey, went to the hospital, and uh, they asked me to log into my WebMD, you know, and, and just check out all my symptoms, and then self-diagnose and self-heal. How many of you, come on, let's admit, how many of you actually do that, right? No, Jesus doesn't hand her a book. Jesus says the resurrection isn't an idea. It's not a theological construct, right? It's not just some words. Jesus, in, in his goodness to her, says, I am the resurrection, right? You believe that one day he's going to live, but let me tell you something. The resurrection you believe in is actually found in me. I am the resurrection. I am the life. I'm the one in whom your hope is anchored in. I'm the one who will bring anything, any life to this. The truth that you know I'm going to work from your head actually down into your heart. And his goodness is a ministry of what Pastor Tim Keller says, a ministry of truth. He knows she's confused. 
He knows she's got doubts. He knows that she's wondering and struggling with what's going on in her head. And what does he do? He tells her exactly what she needs to know and then takes it a step further. He says the resurrection is me. And one of the beauties of it is the resurrection is, is some, some how far down the road, right? It's somewhere out there. But he says, no, the resurrection isn't just out there. He brings the resurrection into the present. So this is not just a future thing. The resurrection is right here. And again, it's in me. It's as if, as if how many of you ever needed to kind of have it, have somebody kind of take you by the shoulders and shake you a little bit? Now I know, listen, any of you who've been given birth to a child, they got a little sign in the hospital that says, nunca, nunca, don't shake your baby. Okay? Any parents, don't shake your kids around, right? Not talking about that. I'm talking about the shake, right? That, that reality that goes, we, we kind of got to get shaked into, we got to get our stinking thinking gone. I thought I'd put it that way. That I got myself into that spiral of, of, of thinking that just takes me off on a road that I shouldn't be on. It's not healthy. It's leading me into the darkness, not into the light. And Jesus, in his compassion for his, his sister Martha, this woman he loves, he's no, look to me. I'm here with you. And what does she do? She's comforted. Because she goes off now and runs and grabs her sister. Grabs her sister Mary who'd been weeping. Right, her heart is broken. In it we hear, when Jesus saw her weeping, right? And the Jews who had come along with her also weeping. He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. For Martha, he needed to go from the head to get to the heart. But for Mary, he needs to go to the heart in order to get to her head. When he saw her weeping, he asked, where have you laid him? Come and see, Lord, they replied. Then what do we see? Jesus wept. Martha needed a ministry of truth, right? She needed someone to speak what was clear and real. She needed what was in the shadows, an idea of resurrection to be made real in her life in that very moment. But Mary, she needed to feel it. Before you could talk to her about anything, before you could get anywhere and move any step forward, she had to know that the resurrection in life understood. Cared about her. Cared for what she cared for. She needed to see that Jesus cared about her brother as much as he cared about her. She needed to know that the divine God who says, I am the resurrection and life, that's the I am. That God cared, not just simply a person, but God actually cared. And he did. It wasn't the humanity of Jesus that wept. It was the divine that wept. God who had come with skin on had a ministry of tears, of compassion. was with her in that moment. No words were needed. Just simply being there in tears. Sometimes we need a truth to bring us out of the tomb as we wrestle with the if-onlys. Sometimes we need someone to wrap their arms around us cry with us, to be there, to be present, to know that we feel for them, 
and we feel with them. But see, the good news of this passage isn't done. We haven't read this part yet. Let's continue on in the story. John eleven thirty eight. 38. The story continues. Jesus once more deeply moved. Let me pause there. Deeply moved. One of the meanings of this word is anger. That Jesus is angry. Jesus is flat out at this moment pissed off. What is he angered at? Death. He's angered at death, sin, angered at everything that, is, that strips life away. The divine and the humanity of God, this perfect person of Jesus who created, it was through him and by him all things were created. In him all things are held together. We live and move and have our being in him. And when he sees death, not just death in his friends and with his friends, but when he sees a tomb, he is ticked. Because this isn't the way it's supposed to be. And as he looks, deeply moved, he goes to the tomb and it was a cave. It's a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. What's he say? Take away the stone. But Lord, here's again practical Martha, probably more like me. I'm thinking, well, but Lord, by this time there's been a bad odor for he'd been there for four days. <laughs> like, he's really dead. Now the Jews uh, at that point in time thought at about two days you could still resuscitate a person. Now, modern medicine, we know that's not possible. But for them, two days, you know, okay, this is cool. Four days, this is not going to go so well. (laughs) But then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. That Jesus is waiting at the beginning of this chapter was for the benefit of all who would see and experience this moment, for Mary, for Martha, in this moment, Lazarus. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. That Easter morning, Jesus left his grave clothes in a tomb as well. Because death has no power over our God. Not only does Jesus come with a ministry of truth and a ministry of tears, but he also comes with a ministry of power. That we are people who believe in the power of God. We are people who believe that God doesn't let even death, that final hurdle, he he goes, listen, I've wrapped all that up. I've taken care of that. Like I prayed earlier, he kicks Satan in the teeth and says, you ain't got a place anymore. I win, you don't. We don't always know, though, how that, looks, how that looks in our lives, what that looks like, what it means for us. We don't always understand the whole story, but we do know that he wins. And he wins on that Easter morning when he was raised to life. He has risen his hope for us. And this time, this place with Lazarus was a sign of what would be to come. When he said Lazarus come out, he knew that he was putting himself in the tomb. 
The next part of this story, then the Sanhedrin makes all of their plots to put him on a cross to end his life. But in raising Lazarus, he he shows, I am the resurrection in life. So that when my time comes to go to a cross, you're not going to lose heart. So on that holy Saturday where you wait, hopeless and helpless, you can be anchored in the truth that I promised I was going to get back up. I promised I was going to go to even hell itself, and I was going to release the captives. I promised that I was going to do something powerful. I was going to do something spectacular. I was going to bring the world back to myself. I was going to bring life, even in the face of death. And before he did it, he showed it in his friend, Lazarus. So that we could have confidence. So that we could have hope. And we know the whole story. We know Easter morning took place. We know that he doesn't just raise others to life, but he raised himself. And that when he raised himself, he opened up the graves of all who were, all who are, and all who ever will be. And that is a future hope for us, but the reality for us today, just like Martha and Mary and Lazarus, Jesus shows up with a resurrection today too. I don't know how or what you need But I know he does give us the truth that he is the resurrection in life. In him is hope. In him is life. No tomb, no darkness ever can reign. I do know that the one who has gone to the cross, who has experienced even death itself, does understand what you're going through, does understand what we're facing, does understand the darkness deeper than anyone ever could. He's a man of sorrow, acquainted with grief. But it's in his death that we have life. And that his power has the ability to walk us out of our tombs. Grave clothes and all. I wonder this morning on this Easter morning, how does knowing Jesus as the resurrection in life? Right? The divine. As our life, as our hope, the resurrection in life. How does that bring you to life? And then there's that awesome quote there where Jesus says, hey, help Lazarus, go take his grave clothes off. My wondering is, is there anyone in your life that needs you to help take the grave clothes off of them? Is there anybody in your life where maybe they need somebody to love them enough to grab them by the shoulders and give them a word of truth anchored in Jesus you know, maybe is there somebody who doesn't need a word of truth but needs you to sit by their side, to weep with them, to put an arm around them, to love them in the midst of their loss, in the midst of their if only. I wonder who needs to see the power of God, needs you to join them in prayer, relying on, hoping on, trusting in that even though it doesn't feel like Jesus is showing up, I know he does and will. Right, because that's part of this story today. I don't know how and why the delay was, but Jesus did show up. That's the reality, that's the truth, and he will continue to show up because he is faithful and he will never leave our side. The resurrection and life is all about the business of bringing the dead to life. Who needs to know that? 
Who needs to hear that? I don't know where you're at this morning, but my prayer is this, that the truth that in the person of Jesus, it's not, the resurrection isn't just an idea, but the, the person of Jesus, you need to know that he has the power to bring new life. Do you need to know it? Do you need to let what you know actually then begin to sink into your heart? Or maybe you need to know this morning that, that Jesus actually does understand. All you got to do is look to the cross to know he understands. He understands what it means to have hurt, pain. He understands what it means to be in a tomb. He's faced it. And maybe this morning you just need to see God's power. Guess what? Look to an empty tomb. Let that be the anchor of your hope. Let that be the anchor for your life, that the resurrection and the life has risen. And he calls to your name as he called to Mary in that garden that morning. She was lost in her tears in that Easter morning. She came in the dark of night in John 20, that early morning right before the break of dawn. John, in his brilliance and how he writes the book, I think sets it up that way. She came in darkness. She hears a truth from the angels that Jesus is risen. Then she interacts with what seems to be a gardener. I think she was probably crying so much she couldn't see clearly. But as she talks to this gardener and says, what are you looking for? Who are you looking for? And she goes, where have you taken my Lord? Where have you taken my Savior? Where have you taken my friend, my God? And what does Jesus do in that moment? The good shepherd calls her by name. Mary. The good shepherd calls to us by name. And by this time in the story, light has come. Physical light and a light within her heart, a light within her mind. This Easter, I believe. Do you? Jesus is the resurrection and life. He is our life. Praise Jesus. Let's pray. God, thank you that you, again, Jesus, are the resurrection and life. Thank you that you know how to minister to our heads and to our hearts and know exactly what we need. That you've, you have the power to even raise the dead to life. You yourself were raised to life. Lord, I don't know where everybody's at this morning. But I do know we all face a valley of the shadow of death. There are multitudes of ends in our life. There are multitudes of places and times that cause us to say, if only. Lord, it's in those moments we need you to, Lord, come into those spaces. I mean, one of the beauties of this, Lord, we didn't even talk about is the fact that you didn't condemn Martha. You didn't condemn Mary for their sadness, for their sorrow, for their, their, their lack of understanding. You and Grace met them where they were and you refused to leave them there. You ministered in truth, you ministered with tears, you ministered with power. God, may we trust that when we say you are the resurrection and the life, 
that you will continue to do that for us in our lives. And I pray you do that in, a, in just a wonderful, powerful way today. And in doing that, Lord, may we also be people who help take off the grave clothes of others. Where we can help be hands and feet who walk with you and in your work as you bring others to life. May we share truth when truth is needed. May we, we, we weep with those who need to be weep. May we have the discernment and wisdom to know when to do what. May we wait with others for your power to be on display. For you always show up. You're always there. You are always faithful. You are raising the dead to life. And you will ultimately one day raise us all into life and into your glory. We can rest assured in that because you came to life. You have risen. I praise you, Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, the great I am. Praise will rise to Christ our King. 
even in this moment, let's sing it. By your spirit I will rise from the ashes of the fields. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. And in your name I come alive to declare your victory. The resurrected King is resurrected.
Jesus is about to bring life, to restore life. We can't stop death. We can't stop brokenness. But he, however, can. And he can bring new life in the midst of it. This is Easter. This is the pinnacle of what our faith is about. Jesus is alive. And we too can live. Go with that good news today. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his smile upon you and give you his peace. In the name of the great I am, the resurrection and the life, Jesus. Jesus.